Well, good morning, Rimrock. I have to say I was quite relieved when I woke up this morning and noticed that there wasn't a foot and a half of snow on the ground. Those of you who have been here as long as I've been here, which isn't very long, but uh, the, the couple of times that I've been invited to preach, uh, it snowed and nobody showed up. So welcome. This is really great. Now, I don't know, because I, I had like a little three and a half minute devotion thing for the small group of people that was going to be here. But uh, since y'all are here, I guess I'll preach a full sermon. Uh, it's good. Uh, this morning, um, we're going to be uh, looking at a uh, topic that's, uh, it may make you as uncomfortable as it makes me. But uh, I really feel like, um, I actually, I'm, I'm excited about being able to look at what God's Word has to say about this topic. If you've got your Bibles, you can open them to, uh, to two places. One, Proverbs chapter uh, 22, and also uh, 2 Kings chapter 4. You can put, uh, uh, mark both of those. I love watching movies. How many people in here enjoy a good movie or a good uh, TV series? Yep, I do too. I love watching movies. I, I watch all kinds of movies. I, action movies are great. Thrillers, the, the suspense of a drama, those are really good. Even uh, a romantic comedy here and there. I know, we'll edit that out, Levi, uh, when we put that on the internet. But you can come and ask me later. I can actually tell you what my favorite romantic comedy is, but I have one, right? I enjoy watching movies, but there's one topic um, that when I watch a movie, uh, it seems to stir uh, a particular emotion in me. When I watch a movie about slavery, there is something in me that is moved with compassion. When I get to know those characters, I find that those characters often have some similar um, struggles in their life. There's a link in those characters, no matter what the movie is, whether it's uh, Amistad, great movie about slavery. Oh. Last year, we got to see the, um, the, the remake of the TV series Roots. And I remember watching that as a kid, and then to get to watch that again last year. Man, what a series. But I find that those characters have some shared experiences, fear, uncertainty about the future, concern about their kids and their family. There are some things that connect them. And when I watch and I get to know those characters, I find that they're often, they often feel powerless in the grip of a cruel master. And the emotion that gets stirred in me is certainly one of compassion. It's certainly then one of um, uh, anger that that's a part of our history. Not only in America, but also globally. And I certainly understand that even today, slavery is a reality for millions of people men and women and children. But that kind of historical 
slavery is it's not in our face in America. But there is another kind of slavery that affects many of us in 21st century America. And probably many of us in the room as well. You know, we've spent the last several weeks now exploring the book of Proverbs and looking at the wisdom um, that uh, Solomon wrote down uh, to share with uh, future generations. But it's interesting that he starts that book, and all through the book of Proverbs, he also wrote it for his son, for his kids, his son who would be king after him. And he says over and over and over again, here's some sound advice. But he shared it with us. And when I was asked whether I wanted to speak, there were two topics that I raised my hand and I said, these are the ones I want. Two topics. Debt and generous living. Those are the two. I'm not going to hit you with both of them today. I'll be back next week. Don't, don't plan anything else. But the storms may come. It's not too late. It may snow. We'll see. So I feel like my message today about the, 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 the surprising results of being debt-free I feel like the message today, I've been spinning on this for a couple weeks now, I feel like there are some disclaimers that I need to share. Have you noticed that when you watch TV now? Uh, half of the commercials that you see, they all have disclaimers. Have you noticed that? It's about 15 seconds about the product and about three and a half minutes of the disclaimer, right? Like you can take this pill if you have a, a big toe that hurts, but taking this medication may cause you to bleed from your eyes. But don't worry because your big toe won't hurt anymore, right? Disclaimers. So, so I prepared a couple of disclaimers. Just and I, let me share them with you this morning, just because I want to make sure that we can all stay engaged in the message. So, here, here's the first disclaimer: uh, the content of this message is not intended to cause guilt. That's a disclaimer, isn't it? Right. Okay. So, just very clearly, I'm speaking slower than the fine print in the commercials. Right. Here's another disclaimer: the side effects of this message may include feeling uncomfortable leading to evaluations of your actions where money is concerned. Just a disclaimer. I just want to get it out right at the beginning. Here's another one. Contrary to popular belief, the church, the church does not always talk about money. You just got lucky today. <laughs> just, I, just, you know, I just want to make sure that it's out there. And maybe the most surprising one that I that I want you to catch. Studies show that the Bible says that borrowing money is not a sin. You heard right. It's not a sin. So I just want to put the disclaimers out there at the very beginning so that you can relax a little bit and just listen to what God has to say through Solomon, the wisest guy that's ever lived, described by God that way. And yet he, wore, he wrote for us some some words of wisdom. So the book of Proverbs is not primarily a book of do's and don'ts. It really is this collection of nuggets of wisdom from Solomon. Sixteen times through the book of Proverbs, Solomon says, listen. So I think we'd be wise to listen, to pay attention to 
the advice. Again, the Bible doesn't say uh, that borrowing money is a sin and it's not a salvation issue. God is not going to love you more or less according to your net worth. It's not. And I'm so glad for that. I just want to get it out of the way. And yet avoiding sin shouldn't be our primary concern. Living wisely can go a long way in helping to keep us out of tempting situations or situations that bring pain in our life. And so I just want to share with you this morning. Proverbs 17, 18 says, One who has no sense shakes hands in pledge and puts up surety security for a neighbor, one who has no sense, right? That's not uncommon. That's not one verse out of the Bible that I, look, that one fit what I wanted to say. Solomon says that over and over and over again. Just having debt, it's not a sin, but the, but the, but the Bible describes it over and over as unwise. Now, I realize that there are lots of different ways that we can kind of find ourselves uh, in that debt situation. I think uh, one of those ways is just sloppy living. When I when I worked in uh, when I was on staff at the church in in Omaha, um, month after month after month after month, we had a, a sweet lady named Mary who would call the church and ask if she could have some money to help pay her bills. And this, this happened regularly, and often the church responded and, and helped her. And we kind of got to a place in that elders' meeting where we said, what can we do to help Mary not have to make that phone call? Now, I won't say that we drew straws and I got the short one. I, I got... I, I asked if I could go and just sit with Mary and just find out what was going on in her situation. And as I began to meet with her and we began to kind of look at um, her, her finances and her situation on a fixed income and, and um, just had never learned some of the skills that were needed to be able to manage money well. But I love, what I loved about that was Mary was open and teachable. And as we sat together and as we spent several weeks together, um, we, she learned how to write out a budget. She learned how to live on a budget, which is great. It's just a plan for where's my money going to go before I get my money. And so she, she began using some of those new tools that she had. And I, what I love about it is, about two months later, three months later, she got to a place where she realized that she had enough coming in to be able to meet all of her needs. She learned some skills to be able to take care of um, her own needs first. And even beyond that, then to be able to continue to give to other places, to other people, as the Lord put that on her heart. And boy, that was exciting to see Mary um, and to see the, the satisfaction and the peace that came in her life because she had learned some of those skills. But I think sometimes we can find ourselves in debt because of sloppy living. I think sometimes we find ourselves there um, just because of discontentedness. 
You know, I think of, um, I think of Veronica Salt. Does that name mean anything to you? She didn't run for president in 2016. I, that wasn't it. Anybody? She was the golden, she was the golden goose egg girl in uh, Willy Wonka. Anybody? You know? That name didn't just stand out to you? Veronica Salt, I want a golden goose. I want a golden goose now, right? I think sometimes that, that discontentedness kind of gets stirred up in us sometimes, and we just say, well, I want it. I want it now, so I'm going to get it. And sometimes we use debt as a way to, uh, to meet that desire. I think sometimes we get in those situations because of uncontrollable circumstances, Things happen in life, and they're bigger or they're more surprising than what we had planned for, and we find ourselves in a pit. And sometimes we get there because of simply a desire to take an easier path. Well, instead of earning it or saving it, I'll just borrow it. But no matter how we get there, no matter how we, uh, how we find ourselves uh, in debt, I want to just say that I think two things are true about it, and I think it's illustrated in this story in 2 Kings chapter 4. You got your Bibles, just um, flip over right there. Let's read this um, short story together. It says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. Now, Elisha, for those who are unfamiliar, uh, Elisha was uh, God's, one of God's prophets in the day. A prophet was someone who listened to God and speaks to the people. In fact, when I'm downstairs with our kids, um, I have them say this and do a little action just so that you can get it. So uh, they listen to God and speak to the people. That's what a prophet does. So why don't you make me feel at home this morning, would you please, just as a favor. And would you just say it and do the little action with me? It's easy. Here we go. Ready? A prophet listens to God and speaks to the people. And so Elisha was God's man. He would listen to God and speak a message to the people. And so that's who it is in chapter 4. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as slaves. Now, I just want to pause there. There are two things that when we have debt in our lives, there are two things that are true. And one of those things is that uh, debt robs us of peace. I know that there are, uh, this should have been added to the disclaimer list. I know that there are different opinions about debt and its usefulness. I won't argue with you about it. But I am risk adverse. And so when, so I think this is true. I've experienced it being true, and I see it in God's word as being true. So I'm just going to say it's true. Debt robs us of peace. Proverbs chapter 22, verses 26 and 27 says, Do not be one who shakes hands in pledge or puts up security for debts. 
If you lack the means to pay, your very bed will be snatched from under you. I didn't remember that verse ever until I started studying this. I think that's the Bible's way of saying foreclosure. Right? If you can't pay your debts, they're coming to take something. But when we find ourselves in debt, it robs us of a measure of peace. It can bring with it a real sense of being trapped, of having few options, and sometimes being or feeling very overwhelmed. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but I do want you to think about that. Have you ever been in that spot? And for our widow, this, the death of her husband, while I'm certain it brought grief, it was the debt that brought the crisis. You see what it says? My husband is dead, and his creditors have come, are coming to take my sons as slaves. The interesting uh, cultural situation going on there, women had very few opportunities to earn money. So they relied heavily on their husbands and their sons in order to provide for the household. But when a credit, when a debt was due, if it couldn't be paid, then they, the creditor could come and take into um, indentured servanthood the, the kids in order to pay off that debt. Now we can debate whether that's right or wrong or we have a better system now. But the point is that when we find ourselves in debt, it robs a measure of our peace. It creates some uncertainty. And so she was experiencing a real lack of peace because of the pressure that the debt had created in her house. And I'll tell you what, I don't know that it's a lot different today. There have been studies for years now on marriage relationships, and yet consistently the thing that ranks at the top when they're asked about a reason for a divorce, the, things that, the thing that consistently is at the top are money fights and money problems. When we find ourselves under the control of someone else in our finances, boy, it brings a lack of peace. It adds stress to a household and to a marriage. And honestly, it's not really, uh, it's, there's not a big surprise in that. Forbes.com uh, Forbes uh, in a report from February of this year said that the average American family owes $8,317 or $77 on credit card bills. That's not counting cars, that's not counting houses, that's just credit cards. And I'll tell you what, it puts pressure on a household. It robs the sense of peace. Yet Jesus is called the Prince of Peace in Isaiah 9-6. He is the one, uh, it, peace is one of the things that the Holy Spirit produces in us. Galatians 5-22, so 
I ask myself the question, why would, I, why would I personally invite something into my life that steals my peace? I don't want to. That's a question. Why would I do that? Well, the second thing that I think that uh, debt kind of brings along with it is debt enslaves us. It creates a master over us. Now, again, Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Now, if you listen to Dave Ramsey very much, you'll know that that's one of his oft most, uh, I mean, he, he quotes that verse a lot. But I tell you, when I started to just think about the reality of that verse that there's truth to it. Not because Dave said it, because Dave didn't say it, but because God said it through Solomon as a nugget of wisdom. And in the case of our widow, if you go back and look again at verse 1, you'll see that. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as slaves. So literally... In the case of our widow, literally, that debt led to slavery, or the potential for that, right? Her boys would be taken away. A slave, by definition, is someone who lacks freedom. And I, 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 want, I want to be... Um, here's the point of my message this morning. Should I give you the point right in the middle of it? Please give me the point. This has all been bad news so far. Can you give me the point? Here's the, here's the big idea. Every weekend downstairs with our kids, we boil the whole thing down to a big idea. Here's the big idea. When we have debt in our lives, it limits our options. Now you can take that and make that as big or as small as you want. But when we have debt in our lives, it limits our options. A, a slave, by definition, is someone who lacks freedom. And I want to suggest to you that the freedom that we lose when we have debt is a freedom to be able to say yes to God anywhere, anytime, for anything. Now, hold on. Because some of you who are really quick thinkers are saying, whoa, 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 back it up. Are you saying that if I'm a believer, I'm a follower of Christ, and I have debt, then I can't uh, respond to God's call? Nope. But I don't think that you can respond to everything that God may call you to do. Debt limits your options. Let me illustrate it this way. I'm going to give you two. One will be personal. One will be different. Should I repeat the disclaimer that this message today is not, not uh, supposed to generate guilt? So I'm not, it's not about that. It is about, I want you to have all your options available. I was looking at this this morning, or this week, 
in 2017, the average student loan is $37,172. That feels heavy to me. In this year, 2017, we hit an all-time, collectively, we hit an all-time high of $1.3 trillion owed in student loans. It's heavy. Not only does that rob peace, but it also limits some of our options. When I lived in Omaha, I got a chance to um, be on the campus of Nebraska Christian College quite a bit and got to know several of those students as I went to church with them and as I hung out with them on the college campus as we did some things together. It was really great. I love those relationships and they're outstanding kids that have a desire to follow the Lord. But I can't tell you how many of those students over the course of the eight years that I was there, how many of those students when they got to graduation had to turn down ministry opportunities because the income in some of these smaller churches or on the mission field, because the income wouldn't be enough to pay their student loan bills. And it may... You know, the overwhelmingness about the debt is one thing, but it makes me brokenhearted and a little angry when I think about that, the way that debt impacts the kingdom. It limits our options, folks. Because there will be times in your life when God will call you to give or to go or to do something big or small, and yet we have to check with the other master. Because when we have debt, some of the money that comes in, or maybe a lot of the money that comes in, has already got somebody else's name on it. It is unavailable to us. Debt limits our options. And it breaks my heart when it comes to when, when, that, when that reality affects the kingdom. We, um, this is kind of a cool thing. As a, <clears throat> as a pastor, um, I thought for sure we were going to lose this um, in the, with the last administration that lasted eight years. I really did. But as a pastor, we have an opportunity um, to get a tax deduction for um, some of our household expenses. So our mortgage, we get to write that off of our taxes, and there are several other things. It's kind of a cool little perk um, for us. But early in my ministry, I had a, a, a pastor who was much older than me say, you always will want to have a mortgage on your house because you get to write that money off. And I'm like, cool. I don't like paying taxes. That's really cool. Let's do that, right? And I just... Just accepted it. At some point, uh, in uh, when we were living in Omaha, at some point, it dawned on me. I wonder if I should do the math on that. 
like how much do I get to write off compared to how much am I paying in interest to the bank? Because I, I don't like taxes, but I really don't like interest. So we did the math, and it, the math didn't add up for us. It would be better for us to not have a mortgage. So I went home, and we were talking. I was talking to my wife, Angie, and I said, how fast do you think we could pay the house off? I don't know. So she does the math in our family, so she starts doing the math, and she's like, hmm, that could be interesting. Here's another thing you ought to know about Angie. When she gets a goal in her head, buckle up. <laughs> right? Like, I have to be careful about what seeds I plant. Because if she decides that that's a good thing, it doesn't matter if I change my mind, buddy, we're going. She said, well, let's do this. For the next three months, let's try paying extra on the house. I said, all right, let's just try it. Three months. Now, look, I can do almost anything for three months. Almost anything. I couldn't do that thing that <laughs> Sherry did. I, what I love about that, just, pause just for a second. What I love about that is that you said that you borrowed it from the Kiefer's. So I'm just saying I'm canceling my appointments with the keepers. I want to see them open the package. That's all I'm saying. So for three months, we tried it, and we made uh, extra payments. And honestly, it wasn't too bad, and that was, that was really cool. And, and so she was in. She was on it. It didn't matter what I was going to say, although I was in it too. And so we, we ran after that thing. It was really neat. And we tightened the belt. Like, eventually, I literally had to tighten my belt. Because it was like, we're doing ramens for dinner. No, folk, come on now. They're, they're 25 cents, man. We're not. So you can eat steak later. We're doing ramens right now, right? We were after it. And we busted it. And we worked hard. And we, and we hit the goal. It was really neat. And we paid off the house. Uh, let me just tell you, I don't say that to, I don't say it to brag. It is very cool, though. I loved getting, this is weird, I loved getting the mortgage bill. That's weird, isn't it? When, you get, when we got to see that, you know, the, the principal number start to go down, and then we, you know, it, it, there came a point when it was like, yes, we've got the mortgage bill, let's look at it. But when we got to the end, it was neat. Our kids were in it because they weren't eating either. It was really cool. <laughs> it was good. It was good. Those, listen, Blake, those pants will last one more year, buddy. It's okay. It's all right. Just squat. It's good. But I'll tell you guys, listen, I, it, it was fun. And we planned a big party, and we called the bank, and we said, we're bringing in our last payment, and we brought cupcakes, and we just said, y'all better just, just plan to take a break, because we're celebrating, you know, we brought a sign, and, you know, balloons, and the whole thing. The tellers looked at us like we were weird, <laughs> legitimately, but they ate the cupcakes. But it was fun. The point was that we, we got there, right, and we paid it off. And we enjoyed like another nine months of having two incomes and no bills. And it was, 
it was really cool. In fact, I wish that I had paid attention just a little more for those nine months because that was, that was pretty cool. And then God called me to leave the ministry that I was doing there at the church. And we went through the, the weeks of kind of, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And he wouldn't answer me. And come on, I mean, just tell me what you want me to do, and I'll do it. And all I was hearing was leave. I need your chair, right? But he wouldn't tell me what we were going to. Finally, was obedient to that. Okay, I'm leaving. And then God opens up for me an opportunity to speak, uh, to teach parenting seminars all over. And it was so much fun. But I made about a third of what I was making. Now, I love the work. And I could have gone and gotten some other job, but I really felt like that was what God had called me to do in that season. And I'll just tell you, folks, listen, if we hadn't busted it and gotten to where we were and had no debt, I would not... I, to be honest with you, I don't know if I would have said yes. When we have debt, it limits our options. When we have debt, it limits our options. And so... You know, then, of course, then the question becomes then, okay, so if that's where I am, if, that's, if I've got debt, whether it's, you know, whether it happened to me or whether I, I wandered into it, you know, Dave, Dave Ramsey says you can wander into debt, but you can't wander out of it, right? You're not going to accidentally become debt-free. You've got to work at it a little bit. But I go back and I look at, okay, so what's God's plan? What, what's, the, what's the way to do that? And, and I want to direct your attention to Proverbs chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. And here's Solomon speaking, and he says, My son, if you have put up surety for your neighbor, if you have shaken hands in pledge for a stranger, you have been trapped by what you said ensnared by the words of your mouth. So do this, my son, to free yourself, since you have fallen into your neighbor's hands. Now, do you, do you get a sense of, of God's attitude about, about the debt? Like, it, he's not saying you're, you sin, but I mean, look at the words that he's using. Trapped, ensnared, and free yourself. I mean, those, yeah. This is what he says. Go to the point of exhaustion. And give your neighbor no rest. Allow no sleep to your eye, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter and like a bird from the snare of the fowler. Listen. Escape. Make a plan. Get serious about it. Work the plan. Escape. Get out from under it. Right? Get serious about getting free. God didn't create us or design us to be a slave to anybody but him. And boy, is he a gracious master. But boy, he doesn't want to see us entrapped. He just doesn't. And so make a plan to escape. 
In fact, I see that example in our text as well, second, in the second Kings story about our widow. If you flip, if you, uh, if you look at the end of that story, so I'll fill in the middle for you. She goes to Elisha and she says, um, you know, these guys are coming to take my kids uh, in order to pay off the debt. And Elisha says, what do you have in your house? She says, I don't have anything except a little oil. And Elisha does a miracle, right? God does a miracle in this woman's life and he and he allows enough oil for her to fill all these jars. She's borrowing jars from the neighbors. Knock, knock, knock. Do you have any jars? What do you, what do you mean a jar? Just do you have any jars? I need a jar. Give me a jar, right? And so she collects the jars, and God allows the oil to multiply to fill all of the jars until she doesn't have any jars left, and then the oil stops flowing. It's a very cool story. And then this is what Elisha says. In verse 7, nope, in verse, <clears throat> I'm in the wrong chapter. Hold on, it is verse 7. In verse 7, she went and she told the man of God about the oil and all the jars that she has full. And he says, go and sell the oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what is left. Now I want you to notice a couple things that she did there. When she was in the crisis, when she knew that she was trapped, she went to someone and asked for advice. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you're, if you're in that situation, if you're trapped, right? If you've got debt in your life and you don't have a plan, go and ask somebody and get a plan. Find a, find a good financial planner and sit down with them and share your stuff and get a plan to exit. And I'm, I'm not ashamed to tell you that, I've, you know, for years and years we've, we've listened and we've used the principles that Dave Ramsey's taught. And so I would be really comfortable telling you to Find a Financial Peace University class and go through. In nine weeks, you're going to have a bunch of the tools that you need in order to exit. This is a good thing. Because not only do we regain some peace in our life, but we also open up options to be able to respond to God. That freedom from debt brings that greater peace in our life financially, and it also creates opportunities and options as we follow God. And I don't know what the call is going to be in your life from the Lord. Honestly, you don't know what the call from God is going to be in your life. Maybe it's a call to go someplace. Maybe it's a call to give generously. Maybe it's a call to change careers, or maybe it's a I don't know. I don't know what the call might be. But I know this for me. I don't want to have to check with anyone else before I can say yes to the Lord. My heart's desire for you today is that you'd hear the wisdom that God gives us about about in this topic of money or in this topic of, of debt and that you would regain peace in this area of your life and that you would regain all of your options when it comes to responding to the Lord's call. I want to give you, a, I want to pray for you guys today because I know 
the message today can be received a lot of different ways. I want to pray that God would just help you to receive it the way he intended for it. God, um, I do ask that you just get me out of the way. God, that the, the words and the wisdom from your, from your word, Father, would, would find their mark. Father, I, I pray, you know, that there's not guilt, but that there is an awakening that our options are limited and our peace is stolen. God, we trust you and we love you. And, and we desire to follow the call that you speak and whisper into our lives. God, would you help us to be people who respond quickly? to your call. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.